On this edition of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast, it's been a roller coaster couple of years for Calgary's Jordan Procession, and we get the sense he wouldn't have it any other way. Welcome to episode 154 of Alberta Dugout Stories, the podcast. I'm Joe McFarland. Before we get started, just wanted to say a quick thanks to everyone for your patience in waiting for this latest episode. We had to skip last week as I was at home taking care of a sick little boy and wanted to devote my time to him. As Ian and I have said in many conversations over the years, family and health will always come first for us. So we appreciate your patience and understanding and are glad to be back at the grind today. Speaking of that grind, someone who is very familiar with the minor league baseball grind is our guest this week. Calgary's Jordan Procession was a 14th round pick of the Boston Red Sox back in 2014. The Dogs Academy and Okotoks Dogs product stayed in their system until 2018, then was picked up by the Los Angeles Dodgers, splitting 2019 between high A and double A. He was with the independent Joliet Slammers in the COVID-shortened 2020 season, then was picked up by the Texas Rangers for this season, where he played with the Frisco Rough Riders in double A. Next season isn't really on his radar yet, though, as his focus is now on his wife and his baby girl, who is due in just a few weeks. The 28-year-old was sitting in her nursery when we had this chat earlier this week. Jordan, thanks so much for joining us here on the podcast. No problem. Thanks for having me. What a crazy ride you've had over the last few years since we last caught up with you, from the Boston system to the Dodgers to Indie Ball, then to Frisco this past year in the Texas system. You've represented Canada. Uh, and oh yeah, there's that whole personal life thing that we'll get to before too long as well. Uh, I wanted to start here though. How would you describe the last couple of years? The last couple of years have been best way to describe it is just a roller coaster. You know, it's um, I getting back all the way to January of 2019 when I was still out of baseball. Uh, and you know, then the Dodgers gave me a call, and you know that just kind of that geared everything up again. Um, you know, I was able to have a, have a decent year with the Dodgers. Uh, and as you said, talking about personal life, we'll get into a little more about, you know, meeting my, my wife, my current wife, um, you know, meeting her while playing for uh, my league system here at the Dodgers and moving upward in my life, moving down south. Uh, and then going into 2020, you know, I was fortunate enough, I signed with the Cubs. Uh, I was out in Arizona, and then that's when, you know, the world decided to shut down. Um, you know, we had no idea how long it was going to last, uh, obviously like everybody else, um, you know, and then, yeah, I did, uh, did I end up playing baseball last summer? I was very fortunate, uh, to play in Joliet, Illinois. Uh, they put together a little free agent league. Um, we, there's four teams there. So it was fun. It was some good competition. I had a couple of, uh, a few ex big leaguers there. Uh, and then this year, obviously, you know, signing with the Texas Rangers and, and playing out the season down at Frisco was, was an absolute joy. Uh, so, you know, definitely just a roller coaster of emotions from potentially being out of baseball to being back in to finding my wife to being back in baseball, having baseball taken away and fans taken away. And then now back to, you know, a pretty regular season was definitely a roller coaster of emotions. On the baseball side, you've just continued to keep grinding with that end game in mind of making it to the big leagues. What's kept you driven through all of these ups and downs? You know, it's, it's just 
I remember as a little kid, I, I always wanted to play professional baseball. And, you know, I, and on top of that, I wanted to become a major league baseball player. When I was three years old, I didn't know that there was minor league baseball. I didn't know what everything entailed of becoming that major league baseball player. Uh, but, you know, I just, I think back to, to myself as a little kid and growing up and all those days, you know, out in the cul-de-sac playing wiffle ball with my buddies or, you know, getting those extra swings in the cage as I got older, um, you know, going to college, uprooting my life. It's just, you know, everything that I've done since I can remember as a kid has been about baseball and, you know, the sacrifices I've made. And I just, you know, continue to think about those days when I made a sacrifice for baseball. It's like, all right, you know, I've, I've put this much time into it. I'm going to keep going because that's the ultimate goal. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that my wife supports me in this. And, and when I'm when I'm struggling or, you know, I'm like, ah, I might be done. She's like, no, like, you're not done. You've worked so hard. Continue to, to, to force yourself. Continue to enjoy it. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, I just I keep thinking about when I was a young kid and how badly I wanted to, to play in the big leagues. And that's, you know, part of my driving course. Did you have any of those moments where you went – yeah, maybe I'm done and start looking at what the, the grass might be greener on the other side, that kind of thing? Or did you really keep baseball front to mind and trying to figure out what the best path forward was going to be? Um, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said I didn't think about what was on the other side. You know, that's uh, it, it's, when you're on year nine, you know, coming up on year nine here for me, it's very easy to start thinking about, you know, what what's a normal life look like? You know, not moving yourself for February, March to one spot and then moving yourself from April to September somewhere else and then, you know, September to January, you're living back home. Um, but it's, you know, it's just continually to understand the reason why you do this. You know, every time everybody will talk about when it comes to the mental side of baseball, you, you got to know what your why is. What's your why? And, you know, mine's changed throughout my entire career since, you know, I signed back in 2014 to now. You know, my why is, is my family. My why is my daughter on the way, my wife, and, you know, I want to support them. And they're going to continue to support me. And, you know, it's just understanding what my why is. And it gets a little bit, changes every year, like I said. And now it's, it's bigger than ever with, with becoming a father. And that's, that's my driving is, you know, what is my why? I know what it is, and what am I going to do to achieve it for that? And you obviously took that step uh, playing some double-A this past season with Texas' system. Uh, I couldn't help but notice looking through those stats that you had seven pitching performances in Frisco. Are you pulling an Anthony Ghost transition here, or was it something where necessity led to you being on the hill instead of behind the plate? <laughs> it, was, it was more more or less of, you know, the team ran out of arms. Um, and, you know, especially early on in the year and after a year off completely, they're not going to push pitchers past what they need to throw. Um, so, you know, my first appearance, I think we were losing 12-something um, when I went in. Uh, but it just came down to, you know, we had no arms left that could throw that day, and it was just uh, my pitching coach came up to me and was like, hey, have you ever pitched before? I was like, yeah, I, you know, I threw a few years back. Uh, he goes, all right, well, you're not allowed to throw over 65 miles an hour and just throw strikes. Like, all right, sounds good. So that's, uh, that's kind of how that all started, and it was fun. You know, by the end of the year, uh, by that, whenever you said I had seven appearances, um, you know, it was we, we turned it into 
into a fun time, and my pitching coach joked around with me and said, you know, the bad part is I actually expect you to start doing well. Cause I didn't <laughs> give up a earned run after my after my first outing. So it was just it started turning to a joke, uh, but it was it was fun to get up there. Does it make you kind of contemplate spending a winter, maybe working on it a little bit, just in case you get a few more of those calls next summer? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm a firm believer in the reason why I had any type of success is, A, because I was a position player on the mound, throwing well, well, well below the hitting speed. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's just going up there with, with no reason or no, like, uh, you know, need to do well. It's just a matter of, all right, just throw strikes. If they hit it, they hit it. They hit it at you, or if they hit in the gap, no one cares. So there's just, there's no expectation. Whereas I go and I spend a whole offseason trying to throw hard, trying to develop some stuff. No, that, that takes the fun out of it for me. I'll stick to catching. <laughs> Speaking of the catching versus pitching thing, from a mindset perspective, how different is that? Because you're, as a, you and I have talked about this before when we previously did a story with you, is there's that mindset, you're kind of the captain out there on the field, and now all of a sudden you're the one that's taking the calls and having to do something with those calls from the catcher. It would be it'd be a lot different if I actually had you know an arsenal of pitches, mm-hmm. but I basically just I lobbed in there. My my range was I think forty miles an hour to sixty five miles an hour. I threw in a couple knuckleballs in there just because it's fun, um, but I didn't really. There was no mindset when it came to me pitching. Um, biggest thing was just making sure I came set. There was runners on base, so I didn't box. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun has become a real big part of your vocabulary, especially as you're, you mentioned you're heading into year nine now. It's it's about enjoying those experiences while you're still having them. Absolutely. You know, it's, this game beats you up enough, and I, being a perfection, perfectionist that I am, you know, throughout my career, all the way dating back to, you know, my high school days and younger, um, is this game will beat you up if you allow it to, and you're going to continue to beat yourself up. So, you know, the biggest thing for me is just have fun. Go out there, compete. You know, it's not, there's that fine line of, you know, goofing off and just having fun. You look at these guys right now playing in the World Series, they're still having fun. You know, they're not goofing off. They're not, they're mentally in air. They're all checked in, but they're still allowing themselves to enjoy it. At the end of the day, it is a game. And, you know, that's something that definitely has come to the, the forefront of my mind is just enjoy it. You never know when your last game is going to be. And so why not enjoy it while you have it and go from there? A lot of talk lately about the grind of the miners, and it seems though a lot of changes on the horizon, whether it's better wages, living expenses, what have you. You've lived through it over the last few years. What's the grind like from your perspective? It's a lot of late nights. Uh, you know, there's times where we wouldn't get home from the field until midnight. Um, you know, a lot of late nights, a lot of early morning bus rides. This past year, the travel was, was the easiest that it has been. They definitely, you know, made a really good adjustment with having every single Monday off. Um, and so those days where you're traveling 12-plus hours, you're able to travel on an off day. So you're not getting into your – you're not getting to wherever you need to be at 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning and then playing that night. Um, you know, so it just – the ability to recover this past year was a lot better uh, than in past years, but I mean, I remember my first year of pro ball, we were traveling. I think we got in at like nine o'clock in the morning. And we had a six o'clock game that night, and I was exhausted. I was like, oh man, how am I supposed to play? 
Um, but you know, it, it's getting better, which is good. Um, but those those grinds, it's it's uh, it's not easy. You know, even with the new schedule, it's still tough. You're in a new new place every week. Um, you know, you're away from your family. There were times where you know I was away from my wife for two to three weeks, and it's not easy. Uh, your body takes a toll. Like there's a difference between in college where you're just playing, you know, a Wednesday and then a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and you have those other days off. Whereas now you're playing Tuesday through Sunday, and it's every single day. And then you get beat up and beat up and beat up, and it's 140 games. I think this year we only played 120. Um, but it, it's no joke, you know. And then as for the wages part, I mean, I'm not going to touch on that too much because there's so many different aspects to it. You got the guys that get the big signing bonuses. You got guys that are free agents that make a little bit more money. You got the whole hey, you got to wait till you get to the big leagues to make that big chunk of money. And, and I understand that, um, but you know, it's just it, it forces you to grow up. That's the biggest thing with with professional baseball is it weeds out the week of those that you know not not calling people who who quit because they financially they can't afford it. Like that's completely understandable. But if you're not willing to make sacrifices in certain areas, or if you're not willing to, you know, pick up a really crappy job in the offseason just to make ends meet or be able to save extra money for the season, it just weeds those people out. And it's the matter of, how am I going to do this? Mm-hmm. How am I going to be able to support myself through these times and make it work and be away from my family and get in at midnight or 3 o'clock in the morning and be in a new state, be in a new city every other week. Um, so yeah, it's definitely, it, it's no joke, but people always talk about the bad parts of it, of it. They talk about the low wages, they talk about the long bus rides, but what they don't talk about are the fans, the friends and family that you make along the way. Uh, you know, if it wasn't for minor league baseball, I wouldn't have my family right now today. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my parents on the other side of that, they wouldn't have had the experience to come and see some of the places that they've seen. I'm very fortunate that my parents can travel and come see me. Uh, and so there's parts of the world that they wouldn't see, parts of the state that they wouldn't see if it wasn't for baseball and minor leagues and all of these small little small little towns. Were you surprised at all at how this conversation has sort of creeped into the headlines a little bit more? It's talking about this line of work that you've been trying to work through for so long. Um, yes and no. Uh, I mean, I know when I first started back in 2014, there were, there were rumblings about, you know, people trying to sign petitions about trying to, you know, get more money. Uh, I know the whole allegations about teams in California, there's a huge thing going on on that, uh, from way back when. Um, so I, I'm not surprised in that aspect because there has always been rumblings and they, it's always a the front of everybody that talks about is, oh, minor leaguers don't make much. All right, yeah, but you also know what what's at the end of the tunnel. Um, and then I'm also I am surprised because you know no one ever wants to to be that so-called whistleblower and you know feel like they're going to get shunned from baseball uh, just because they're the ones who are going against the grain. Mm-hmm. You know, so it it I see both sides of it. I see the the side of. You know, yeah, like it's, it's a good thing that I got brought up, but also it's like, all right, well, you were given X amount of money for your signing bonus. I know not everybody gets the same amount, but for your signature, you're literally given so much money, and now you get to go play a game. 
So I, I see both sides of it, but overall, no, I'm not really surprised it got, it brought, got brought up. Mm-hmm. We'll change uh, gears a little bit here and talk about the family part because I know this is something that's uh, near and dear to your heart as well. Uh, winter training I asked about, but how much of that is being around planning for your wife and your baby to be? Uh, how excited are you for this new era to begin? I can't wait. I, I absolutely can't wait. I'm actually sitting in her nursery right now while we're on the phone. Um, so my wife can work. Um, but no, I... I can't wait to be a father um you know when we did the gender reveal uh during the season and i found out i was we were having a little girl i was scared um but you know it i i'm very very fortunate and we're very lucky that you know we're we're able to to have a little girl and you know god willing that everything goes as planned and you know here in a month or so i'm going to be holding her in my arms um but it's when we found out back in march um it was, you know, unbelievable experience to, to find out and go along this path. And I don't know if I could ever carry a baby. I can't believe what my wife goes through. And she is super, super strong. <laughs> and every woman is to, to be able to carry a baby for nine months. Are you ready for the sleep deprivation part? I can speak from personal experience here as a relatively <laughs> new dad. Uh, sleep deprivation is definitely real, uh, especially with those late night feeds. Yeah, I believe it. I mean, every everybody that I've talked to, I had uh, a couple of my teammates from this past year. One had his baby back in May, and the other one actually just had his at the beginning of this month. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's no joke. But I don't think there's any way to prepare yourself for it. Uh, if you're going to, you know, prepare yourself for it before the baby comes, you're going to be exhausted before she even comes. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, I'll wake up one day and I'll be tired because our dog kept us up a little bit. My wife's going to go, boy, you're, you don't stand a chance when she comes. <laughs> um, but, no, I'm just, I won't care at that point. You know, I can be half awake, half asleep, and be able to feed her and hold her. And, you know, at that point, it just doesn't matter. I'm sure you can speak on that as well. That, mm-hmm. you know, yes, it's a very, it's a life-changing experience for the better. And, yes, there are certain things like sleep that you have to give up but it's definitely worth it. I just wish he could stockpile sleep beforehand. That's all I'll say on that part. <laughs> uh, I was reading a really fun story about how you met your wife, Lauren. Why don't you share it with those who haven't read that story? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they did a cool little article on it this, this past summer, actually. Um, you know, it was back in 2019 when I was, when I was playing here in Tulsa, my, my new hometown now, uh, AA for the Dodgers. Uh, you know, I just saw her saw her during a game. You know, I wasn't playing. So obviously, it's all right if I wasn't paying too, too much attention. I'm just kidding. Everybody who's listening, pay attention during the game. Um, but, yeah, met her, met her there and, you know, kind of got her attention for after the game and, uh, you know, got her attention, kind of talked my way into having her grab a beer with me that night. Um, and the rest is history, honestly. I mean, we we had a little bit of a hiccup uh, in the sense of, you know, I got shipped back to California. This was in July. I got shipped back to California to Rancho because I was flipping back and forth that year. Um, and so we didn't really know if uh, if I was going to be coming back. We didn't know what the situation was. So we just kind of kept it, you know, low-key. Like, didn't really talk to my parents about her or anything, and she didn't talk to hers. Um and we kept in touch while I was gone. And then I think it was a week after I got back from Peru, 
uh, with Team Canada that I got the call back here, and my first text was to her saying, hey, uh, so I'm going to be back, and we're home. Um, <laughs> you know, and so we just we kept in contact the whole time we were gone, and, you know, when I got back here, we were able to resume things, and, you know, it's just I spent this, that off season down here and haven't, honestly haven't really left. Crazy. What does it mean to you to have her in your corner like she has been? I mean, you speak so highly of her. She's so obviously integral to what allows you to keep continuing to not just chase your dream, but chase the family dream now. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's she's, she's the one who pushes me when, you know, I start getting down and I start getting worried about not getting a contract. Um, you know, just just a little example. Last last spring, you know, I wasn't getting much love. There wasn't much uh, much out there for uh, for a contract for me, and so I sent out a bunch of emails. And actually, it's a funny story. So I got an email back from the Rangers last year in 2020 saying, "Hey, we're holding this camp. If you want to come try out, um, you know, just get get yourself in front of in front of these scouts." And I told her that, and she was, "All right, when are we going?" You know, didn't even think about it, didn't even go, eh, I don't know. It was just right away. It's like, okay, well, when are we going? When do we have to leave? Uh, and then, obviously, before we left for that camp, the Cubs called and signed me. But just little things like that, you know, that just keep – she keeps pushing me to, you know, not worry about things. Like, right now, you know, I'm, I'm still with the Rangers, but five days after the World Series, I become a free agent, um, you know. And so she just keeps pushing me to – not stress about the little things, not stress about, you know, where are you going to sign? Where are you going to play? It's going to all happen. And it has the past two years. I mean, spring training already started this past year and I still wasn't, didn't have a job. So I was freaking out and she goes, don't worry. It's fine. We're going to be all right. And sure enough, you know, it, it all came to fruition for us. Um, and so she just, she loves baseball herself. She loves it, and I think that helps. Uh, and she just wants to see me achieve my dream because, I mean, she sees how much I give into it as well and how much I put in and how much it does affect our family. I mean, it forces us to be apart, uh, but we she'd do anything for it, and, you know, it's good to have her on my side. Mm-hmm. Your side is pretty big, even here in Alberta. You've got that support system here. <laughs> yeah. you got a dog's family that you've got back here home at home that you check in on regularly. Looking back on your time with the dogs program, benefit of 2020 hindsight now and a few years of experience on top of it, what's that program meant to you in that hindsight? I mean, it, it, it means everything to me. You know, it's, it's an unbelievable program, what they got going on up there. Um, you know, they're developing kids left and right. It's the talent there now compared to when I was there is unbelievable. I mean, they got kids now, I think freaking, they got like seven kids or eight kids committed to division one programs and not just like any division one program. They got, I know Lou Lou Pope's kids, Connor Pope's committed to Oregon state. Mm -hmm. And there you have three kids at Oregon state. Um, you know, it just shows the growth of the, of the academy in itself. Um, and you know, for me, I wouldn't be where I am today. You know, they, they put you in front of the right people. They provide you with all the right tools. And at the end of the day, it's all right, how good do you want to be? If you want to be good, we're going to make you good. And we're going to give you every single opportunity to do that. Um, you know, and that's just, it, it came full circle when, when I, you know, I did become a professional athlete and I signed my first contract and I spent 
my first 14, 15, 16, 17, and 18. I spent five off seasons there. Um, you know, and it just comes full circle. And Hollick did the same thing. And I know, uh, I think Matt Lloyd spends a little bit of time there. I think he's more in Calgary. Uh, I don't really know his whole story. But it just, everybody wants to give back. And even coming back there as an alumni, they, they treat me just the same. You know, hey, do you need to work out? Do you need this? Do you need that? Like, how can we help? Um, so it definitely, it comes full circle there. It truly is a family, what they got going on. Um, you know, I just talked to Hollis not too long ago. I uh, said that even more big things are coming, um, and they're, they're doing an unbelievable job up there. How cool is it to see that all come full circle? And, and I'm not saying that you need to take all the, the recognition of that, but when you look back at the fact that I, I'm a big believer that success breeds success, and so you have that success, you bring it back home, and you start to see it kind of transition to other kids. It's got to be a, a real cool feeling. Absolutely. I mean, even if you just look this past year, uh, I mean, Alejo Lopez, a former academy and collegiate dog for us, made his major league debut, you know, at the Cincinnati Reds. Mm -hmm. So it's just, you know, certain things like that show how important it is to be around other top athletes. And like you said, success breeds success. And, you know, I'm not taking any recognition whatsoever because, you know, it's even from the dogs before us. You know, the Calgary Dogs with, you know, Jim Henderson um, and everybody there, James Avery and uh, Emerson Crossett. Those guys are the ones that, that really paved the way. You know, Jimmy came back, you know, and, and Vince and Matt or Candia, they all came back to, to come full circle to give us the opportunity to start, you know. And then they obviously, they went their ways and, you know, Frank and, and BT and now you got the, the new generation of, of coaches with, with Hollis, Duda, Guthrow, all of them, it's, uh, you know, it just shows how important it is to everybody there. Um, and it's a team effort. You know, I mean, Hollick was the first one drafted um, out of the new generation of J-Dogs back in 2012, and then myself and Chris Shaw. Um, so it definitely, it, it shows how, how much it's growing and how much it has grown since then. Um, and it's just, it, it's top notch up there. When you come back, I'm sure you have words of encouragement or advice for the kids. Maybe it's a big piece of advice that always stuck with you from your days in, in their shoes. What are those key pillars or those key messages that you hope they take away from those conversations? I mean, I'll never forget. Um, this talk actually before we had Duvernay Fieldhouse. We were working out at MRU uh, with, with Vince Candy, And one of the biggest things that really stuck with me is work even when no one's watching. You know, because at the end of the day, someone's always going to be watching you. It doesn't matter if you're working out by yourself, you're working out in a group. Is There's always someone out there trying to take your spot. You know, we're, they're in such a small bubble up there in, in Oak Tokes that there's kids down here in, in Oklahoma. There's kids in Florida. There's kids in Texas. There's kids across the world, everywhere. Like, I played with a guy from, from Germany uh, in 2019. Like, it does not matter where you are. There's always somebody else that's trying to beat you. There's always somebody else trying to take your job. So one of the one of the biggest things was, you know, work even when no one's watching. Get that extra work in. Make sure that everything that you're doing is for a purpose. Don't just do it just to check off a box. If you're doing it just to check off a box, you're doing it for the wrong reason. 
So it, it's do everything with a purpose. And like I talked about earlier, is you know, understand your why. What's your why? And that'll motivate you on those days where you don't feel like doing anything. What's your why right now? My daughter and my family. My family is my why. It's, uh, you know, it, I mean, speaking of earlier, one of my teammates, he's actually my roommate this year. He had his kid in May. And he, I was talking to him a little bit about it. And he's like, dude, this game just got so much easier. I was like, why? He said, because I don't care what happens on the field. And the only thing that matters right now is my family. I wake up, I get to talk to my daughter. I go to bed, I know that my daughter's there and she's going to have a smile on her face. Like, and he, it's just, I mean, he had a son, but I'm talking about for myself in that sense of, you know, it's, yes, what we do on the field still does matter, but now you're not going to be harping on those little things that normally you would because there's bigger things in life that are more important. And that just takes so much stress off of you and the easier you play this game in the sense of less stress and, you know, not being so hard on yourself, the easier it does become. It's still hard, but it does become easier. I, I got to say, I have not had a, I've not not had a smile on my face this entire conversation just because I feel <laughs> you on so many levels when it comes to fatherhood and that kind of thing. So I'm super stoked for you just because of how stoked you are uh, heading into this. I've yeah. got one final question for you here, Jordan, and it's a question we ask everybody. What does the game of baseball mean to you? The game of baseball, to me, it, I mean, it means everything in the sense of, you know, it's given, it, it's taken so much in the sense of, you know, I never got to go on those May-long, uh, May-long trips in the sense of going camping with everybody or stuff like that, or, you know, a true summer where you just go hang out on the lake all, all summer, all day. But it's given me, given me so much more than it's taken, and I'm so thankful for that. And to me, you know, it just, it represents family, and it represents, you know, just the ability to, have fun, enjoy the game, and just—I mean, crap! I get—I get paid to play a child's game. I can't really think of much better off job. Absolutely. Well, Jordan, really appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on everything that you've accomplished to this point, both professionally and personally. Continued success going forward. All the best in the new fatherhood. And again, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. No problem. Thank you very much. Big thanks again to Jordan Procession for joining us this week. And as always, thanks to all of you for downloading and listening. We'd also like to thank our two Platinum supporters for being by our side. The Okotoks Dogs have always been massive teammates of ours, and they recently started a social media campaign called What's Up Dog, checking in with some of their alumni. Make sure to check them out on all of their social media platforms. An absolute human performance recently joined us officially, but have always been showing their support in other ways. Their social media is always showcasing some of the hard work being done by athletes from all kinds of sports, so make sure to like and follow them as well. Until next time, thanks for all of your support, no matter the platform of Alberta Dugout Stories.